Welcome to the Around the Keg Podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-hosts, Lando and Matt, as well as our tech producer, Keys. This week, we had a lot to talk about after another upset-filled week of college football. We've got lots of ACC-themed mailbag questions after Clemson's loss to NC State, and of course, our world-class picks of the week going into week five. Hope y'all enjoy. all as sad as I am about Coach Lunsford. Dude, I'm actually really sad about it. Like, I know that I've been one of his, like, biggest critics as far as, like, football goes. But, like, honestly, I I feel bad for the guy because he was up against a brick wall. And and with, with, like, there was no way that he wasn't getting fired at the end of this year, regardless of team performance, I think. Like, unless they went, like, 10-2 and beat App State on the road, and won a bowl game. Well, I was talking to Lando about this yesterday, I think, about how, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, this may fly for a little bit longer, you know, because everybody's like, oh, these Sunbelt teams, they really aren't kind of making an impact in the top 25 anyway. But with last season and this season, you've seen a number of Sunbelt teams enter the top 25 and remain in the top 25 for decent portions of the season and compete well against other high teams. I think that's really something that kind of put pressure on Coach Lunsford and, and Georgia Southern in general. Like we all went to Georgia Southern, so we know, too, that there are high expectations of what the team should be week in and week out. And... Like honestly, there's most, and and I think a lot of Georgia Southern fans would agree that there's a lot of people who have a lot of money that influence decisions at Georgia Southern that are way higher on Georgia Southern than they should be as far as like expectation wise, because they're so used to competing for championships in the FCS every year, year in year out. Like I remember when Van Gorder came in whenever I was younger, and it was like a year into hit, like one year. And everyone was like, nope, bring the option back. And because he was trying to go to a spread and like everyone flipped out because Southern wasn't doing well. And it's like, well, no, they're not going to be doing well because they haven't, they don't have the players to run the spread right now. Like this is a completely new offensive system. Paul Johnson just left and you're, you're freaking out. And it was, it was bad. And same thing applies here. I think that people see App State competing for Sunbelt championships every year and playing Miami in a home-and-home and and making it a game with them, almost beating them, and they say, well, why are we not doing that? You want to know why we're not doing that? The answer is simple. I say it all the time. It's because we're handicapped with what we can do offensively. Coach Coach Lunsford wasn't the problem. The offense was the problem, and I don't think that he was the one holding on to that let's continue to run this option bullcrap. I think it's people above him that are still holding on to that Georgia Southern tradition. Da, 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 da. Boosters. Screw, t- screw tradition. Screw it, because all these other schools are running what is the norm now, spread offenses, and they're recruiting for these types of spread offenses, and when you can do that, you can get types of players that give you a, at least a fighting chance to compete against these other schools, and Georgia Southern isn't doing that. We're handicapped because we have to recruit a certain type of player for the option, and then... 
we're not running the option right. We're running from we're running from shotgun five yards back. So that's also another handicap. Like the defense is one of Georgia Southern's strong points. Defense is very good, but when you're giving your offense a chance uh, with good field position and the offense doesn't do anything with it, your defense is on the field the whole game. So it's just it it it's time to change. And people who are uh, you know at the head of the Georgia Southern program, they really need to start to figure things out. And see, what's frustrating, too, is Georgia Southern is in a state where even if you're not recruiting the five stars, four stars, you're still going to get really good players recruiting three stars. And you've seen schools like Coastal Carolina these past couple of years, they used to run a triple option, and now they're running the spread, and they have one of the best offenses in the group of five. And they're in Carolina. I mean, they're Myrtle Beach. So if Georgia Southern can move to that spread type of offense, run the same thing that Coastal has, and then recruit from the hotbed that is Georgia – and they're right there on the Florida line, too. I think Georgia Southern could be really good. All they got to do is change the offense. Yeah, when you bring up you bring up a good point. Like, re- recruiting for Georgia Southern would not be an issue. Like, kids would want to come play for Georgia Southern. Like, it's it's a good school to go to. Football is generally pretty good. Uh, it, there's a good culture around, around the school. Like, kids would, would want to come play for Georgia Southern. You just have to have to change things because nobody wants to come play for in a triple option. It's stupid. See, I, I think eventually the the mindset of we're not your traditional group of five school will pay off for Georgia Southern, but it's it definitely definitely has to be uh, when they change the offense, and and I think whoever they bring in is going to change the offense, and there is going to be some pushback, but I challenge any Georgia Southern traditionalist to go back and watch Tracy Ham, and they didn't run a traditional triple option with Tracy Ham at quarterback. Kirk Russell won a national championship with a team that did not run the true traditional triple option. So get your head out of your butts. You got to evolve with where football is. And, you know, best wishes to Coach Lunsford, honestly, because it, not just because we had him on the on the show. And, and obviously, I would say we're going to call him a friend of the podcast because uh, he, he has been interacting with us still even, even uh, since we had him on. But you don't find guys like him everywhere as far as good genuine people like you just don't find coaches like that in collegiate athletics so uh wish him the best wherever he ends up maybe he'll end up at alabama or something uh as a as a as part of saving staff and uh join the the long list of coaching rehab uh saving style coaches yeah i mean we love coach lunsford on here and honestly i think wherever he goes he's gonna do a really good job he's He's got experience coaching three different types of positions. He's coached special teams, tight ends, and wide receivers, all for Georgia Southern um, and for other teams, too. Um, he coached, he's coached high school before. He's coached everywhere. So he he coached at Auburn. Yeah, I think there's a good chance he could get picked up as their wide receivers coach because, you know, they just let go their current wide receivers coach last weekend um, after almost losing to Georgia State. I think Lunsford is going to get back on his feet. I think he's a good coach. He's a big culture guy, and I think a lot of people are going to want that in the locker room. And like Matt said, we, we wish him the best. Think about that. Georgia State, out of all teams, almost beat Auburn. Let that sink in. And we're struggling against, you know. Gardner-Webb. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. I definitely think that played into why Coach, coach Lunsford was let go. Uh, but, you know, because – and he acknowledged that. He saw the writing on the wall at his press conference a week ago where he said, like, 
look, you know, we get into this business because we love to win and we love competition and that's the expectation. And I'm glad people are mad that we aren't winning and aren't performing to our highest standard. Like I get it, but I think it, they, I, I will say I think they jumped the gun a little early. Four games in, that's that's pretty steep, As, especially given Louisiana Lafayette was ranked as the number twenty three country coming into the coming into the season, and that was a game that they had played already. And Arkansas in Fayetteville was a game that they had played already. Um, you know that that to me was like, all right, well we're jumping the gun a little quickly on on letting Coach Lunsford go four games in. Let's give him a chance to at least turn this thing around. And you could see that when the players reached out as much as they did, yeah. but uh, you know. I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Uh, what, what what other football games do we watch on Saturday? Are we going to jump the gun and say that Dabo Sweeney's reign of terror in Clemson is over? I don't think his reign of terror is over, per se. I think a lot of people are overreacting to a team that, in my opinion, is kind of just catching all the bad breaks. I mean, I they're really young in the first place. They brought back some guys on defense, but even some of their best players are mostly sophomores and freshmen and they got like one or two seniors that came back but they're getting injuries all over the place their best wide receiver had a torn acl last year he's only played in what four games coming back and the guys that are playing next to him are really not that good i I went back and watched that game i didn't get to watch it live but i watched it yesterday and dj does not look good he actually looks a lot worse than i thought he's been playing this year but those receivers are not giving him any help they are not getting open and when they are, they are dropping footballs. This team, they got so much talent. They probably have more talent than anybody in the country besides Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. But they just don't look like they have it. But the vibes just don't seem there. Yeah, I, I was going to say something really similar. Uh, but I, I will say this. I, I think a lot of times, especially national media journalists, uh, they like to be the first one to proclaim anything dead, i.e. go back and listen to Joel Klatt say Alabama doesn't have a football problem. Alabama has a Nick Saban problem after they lost to Ohio State in 2014. Everyone wants to be the first to say, all right, the dynasty is over or this run that we've seen, which has been so great, is dead. I will say I think that Dabo is kind of running into a place where his his shtick is running up like it it's it's not really fitting the bill right now with this team for whatever reason and wits right they have a ton of injuries their offensive line is atrocious uh DJ Uyunglele is not good um they don't have great skill players including at running back. I think that we undervalued how much Travis Etienne meant to Clemson, uh, and his absence is greatly felt. Um, the defense has been not – I mean, they've been really good in games like the Georgia game, and they've come up clutch to win them like the Georgia Tech game. But overall, I mean, if if, if you wanted me to assess where I think Clemson's going to be, Clemson's still going to continue to get talent. They're still one of the best, most talented teams in the country. They're just young, and honestly, I think that it could be time to see some coordinators start to move and go other places because it's been a, it's probably a really stagnant message at this point within the program. Yeah, I think Clemson's going to be okay. I mean, this year it's over for them. They're going to learn from this year, these rest of these games, and grow on that next year. 
Matt, I agree with you. I think some of these coordinators for Clemson are going to, you know, start parting ways. One in particular, Brent Venables. I remember his last couple years at Oklahoma were atrocious. The defense was porous. That was actually the beginning of Oklahoma's defense starting to uh, to, to become like crap was Brent Venables' last couple years. Um, I think he would probably be one of the first coordinators to look somewhere else and go somewhere else, maybe a head coaching position. But in terms of Dabo's, you know, shtick or his 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 reign of terror at Clemson, I don't think it's over. I just think this is just one of those years where you got to take the lumps and grow on it and improve next year and come back strong. Yeah, Lando, I, I agree with you. I just don't think they have the team this year. Um, I think one thing that's really hurting them as well is last year they looked really good against everyone they played except for the one game against Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. And we found out later that Notre Dame wasn't really that good. And they finally looked like they weren't a good team. It looked really bad, actually, when they got to play Ohio State. So I think last year the coaches really couldn't evaluate what they had on defense because of the poorest competition that they play in the ACC. So I think coming into this year, they thought they had a little bit more than they did, especially in that backfield. Those, that secondary, even with Nolan Turner coming back, is not good. They played well against Georgia, but... I, Personally, I think Georgia came in with a completely different game plan for that game because they didn't have JT Daniels and or they did have JT Daniels, but they had a lot of the receivers hurt. They didn't have JT Daniels on par with the receivers that were playing. They kind of wanted to play a little bit more conservative on offense. If you watch Georgia's offense over the next three games, yeah, the competition was different, but the play calling was completely different as well. So I don't think Clemson's very good. Anywhere in that secondary, I think their defensive line is probably their only strong unit on defense, and that's what has been keeping them in games. The offense is nowhere to be seen. No, and and truth be told, part of the reason I say that their reign of terror is not over is because they're in the ACC, and quite frankly, they're going to win games even though they might not be pretty. They're going to win games because they're more talented, and they should win games because they're more talented, but this does kind of eerily resemble that last year of Jimbo Fisher at Florida State when the wheels started to kind of come off. And they, because Florida State that year was super talented, they played Alabama in the kickoff game. And obviously, after that, you know, it was like, oh, well, James Blackman got here. Not, uh, DeAndre Francois was the quarterback, and he tore his ACL in that game. And so they were like, oh, well, he's been hurt all year, and that's why they're not very good. But reality was that Florida State just wasn't very good. And I think a lot of times it's because we put so much stock in looking at recruiting rankings and, oh, these guys are the, the, the they got this many four stars and five stars. If you look at teams that have been like really successful and specifically like Alabama, and I know this for a fact, so many years, Alabama's best players on that given year are guys that were like three stars or weren't really that highly recruited, and they were just coached up, and they were turned into be the players that they were, and they were processed as the verb that we use as as gumps. They were processed into becoming the players that they are, and that's where the, the recruiting thing, I think, sometimes muddies what guys really are coaching is still extremely important in college football yeah Matt brings up a great point a lot of players who are really good in college football are not those five-star type players I'm gonna give you a prime example Baker Mayfield walked on at two different schools and then ended up winning the Heisman 
And, you know, I think that's where a lot of players, when the when there was five-star recruits who are highly touted and, you know, come out here and have all that, you know, that, that talk behind them, they think they can come out there and just rely on that on that five-star rating. And, and, and they, they don't want to be coached. They don't want to want to work for it. They don't have that work ethic. And that's one thing I've always kind of – I'm not a big Dabo fan, but I've always admired that. He always gets the most out of his players. He always – for some reason, it's something that that he says that that really hits home to his players, and they always play really hard. So I think Dabo's gonna be fine. Uh, you just gotta just get in there and grind it out. Um, kind of segue here a little bit. Another team in college football whose offense is struggling is the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, it's rough. Out of all the years that Oklahoma has a uh, just a, a a poor offense, it's this year where the defense is really good. Like I I watched that that West Virginia game twice, and the defense looked really good after that first drive. Alex Grinch made a few adjustments here and there, and they were flying around and tack- making sweet tackles. They were attacking the line of scrimmage, something I haven't seen at Oklahoma in a long time. It's just the offense has a lot of problems. Offensive line isn't very good, and Spencer Rattler is making poor decisions. Still, I. I I rewatched it. I kind of looked a little deeper into it. You know, yes, he is one of the main issues that Oklahoma is struggling offensively, but, you know, receivers aren't really getting open and the offensive line isn't giving him a whole lot of time. Uh, So, you know, a lot of things to work on. Oklahoma showed that they can weather the storm, deal through a lot of adversity in a football game and win a close game. I think that just doing that is going to be huge for the rest of the season. Oklahoma, to me, feels like they're a team that has figured it out on one side of the ball and they're still in fall practice or spring practice with the other side. And if it's any consolation, it's much better to have a really good defensive unit this at this point in the year than an offensive unit because when the offense does click, and I feel like with Oklahoma it will click, Lincoln Riley is a really good offensive mind, and quite frankly – I think Spencer Rattler now having not just uh, Lando over here saying it might be time to move on from you. The entire Oklahoma the fan entire base stadium. was like, you know, we're, we're a little fed up with you, Mr. Rattler. Uh, you can't come into a season with those kind of Heisman expectations and <laughs> and play the way he has. Um, I, I think that it's going to get to a point. And I don't necessarily know if if the Oklahoma with Caleb Williams will be the answer, but when a team's playing that well defensively, it you're probably going to see even against the Texas, or, which I think is probably Oklahoma's toughest remaining game on their schedule. Uh, Caleb Williams might get a little more playing time because you know come come some meaningful games in January because Oklahoma still should probably go undefeated. Maybe lose to Texas, but win the Big 12 and go to the playoff. And if Caleb Williams has had some meaningful snaps and the offense is still still starting to look a little stagnant, you may see Lincoln Riley make that move and the offense try and give the offense a spark. Yeah, and um, I think, and obviously I'm 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 a little biased, but trying to be a little unbiased here, Oklahoma is a scary team because once they start to click offensively they're going to be a nightmare to deal with because defensively they're good, really good. And if the offense can get to a level where it, where we know it can be, Oklahoma is going to be terrifying. Yeah. I'm with you. I think the, if the offense can take that step forward, 
um, get the run game going a little bit more, get Spencer Rattler going uh, back to where he was kind of towards the end of the season last year. I think they're going to be really dangerous. He's kind of underachieved a little bit. Another quarterback that I think is really underachieved this year is Graham Mertz. He looked terrible against Notre Dame last weekend. I didn't get to watch a ton of the game. I probably watched about probably three quarters-ish because I was watching the Georgia game as well, and I was also at a wedding. But Graham Mertz threw four interceptions. He had a 17.6 QBR, and he also fumbles. He turned the ball over five times. Uh, He was a five-star quarterback coming into Wisconsin. He was supposed to be the answer for them at quarterback once he got recruited there, and they just don't seem they have anything going. No, they don't. And and Notre Dame, look, for all the crap that we give Notre Dame about being overrated, I will give Notre Dame this. Uh, Notre Dame, in recent years, has really only lost to Clemson, Alabama, well, Clemson twice, Alabama, and maybe an, uh, another, I, I can't really think of other games that they lost to that weren't to top five or ten teams. So if if you're a voter or on sort some sort of committee, while yes, Notre Dame is winning a lot of close games and they don't look great doing it, they're not losing games that a lot of people would think that they lose. And case in point, Wisconsin, who, I mean, are they a great team? No, but they're a top 25 team. I imagine that they will win more games than they lose this year uh, in the Big Ten. And they go in and they handle their business and they made – Wisconsin looked extremely pedestrian, and I thought it was really cool that that game was at Soldier Field. Um, not, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I know that Notre Dame's defense really, they were out there, uh, Grant Merch was seeing ghosts like uh, Sam Darnold in that game. It was It was bad. Yeah, he was, and honestly, Notre Dame's defense to me, the first three games of the season did not look very good. Uh, they kind of took a step forward against Purdue, and they looked a lot better this week um, against Wisconsin. But honestly, I'm not really there with Notre Dame either. I know Jack Cohn, he's been okay. I think he's been playing better than when he was at Wisconsin. But he's just so – he doesn't move in the pocket. He just stands there. And Notre Dame's offensive line is the worst it's been since I've been watching college football. And the reason for that is because they've had their first – their starting three tackles all get hurt this season. And their entire offensive line was already young from last year anyway. Add that into they got two great running backs. They can't get them the the ball because their offensive line is so bad. I think if they can get healthy on the offensive line and if they stick with uh either Drew Pine or they throw in uh the freshman quarterback they have that can run the ball as well get somebody that can actually move their feet and get out of the pocket. I think Notre Dame could actually be one of those scary teams too that could take a turn uh, come the end of the season as long as they keep winning football games. Well, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the mailbag. We got a lot of questions this week. First question is from Lando's best friend at Picorni Aaron. And his question is, finish the statement. I'm convinced Georgia is... The, the 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 Clemson win isn't looking too good right now, so I don't I don't I still don't really know what Georgia is. We're gonna find out more about that on Saturday. Yeah, I really need to see some more games against some talent. If if you want my honest opinion on Georgia, I think they're the most complete team in the country right now. <laughs> both sides of the ball, both sides of the ball, special teams overall, best team in the country right now. Um and and I mean if you look at Alabama, Alabama has questions on defense. Right now, after the Florida game, 
And you can say, well, yeah, that the the caliber of teams that Georgia has played is not exactly there. And don't get me wrong, I am not an avid fan of the Georgia Bulldogs at all. But it doesn't matter who they have played. A lot of teams have played Vanderbilt and will play Vanderbilt this year, and I highly doubt most of them will have a 35-0 lead with time left in the first quarter. Georgia, since the Clemson game, obviously the Clemson game doesn't look as good now, but Whit made a point earlier that that I was going to bring up. Georgia doesn't look like they have the same game plan when they're attacking teams that they did in game one uh, against Clemson. They're they're throwing the ball around. They're getting back George Pickens, I believe. They said that he's been cleared for this weekend, as well as Tyke Smith. Georgia's going to be a scary team because I don't see very many teams scoring on them. Uh, their defense is elite. Georgia's the most complete team in the country right now. I want to say that exact same thing that you're saying, Matt. I just I want to see them, like I said, play some some other talent because it seems like a lot of other teams have really struggled at least once this season uh, in some form or fashion. And Georgia really so far, even though they've played the teams they have, they seem like even if people go down or whatever obstacle they face, it seems like they really don't skip a beat yet. Uh, but that's like like what I said. I, I want to see them play, uh, you know, Arkansas. I want to see them play. I want to see them all the way up to the SEC championship. I'm not even going to even know until after that game, really, if they are, you know, more elite than Alabama, just because it's Alabama. Here's what we know about Georgia. Georgia has the best defense in the country. That is what we know about Georgia. When it comes to the offense, I think we know that Georgia's offense is better than it's been in the past two years. But I also don't think that's saying much either. I think we know that Georgia can stretch the field, which Georgia hasn't been able to do in the past since, hell, since Matthew Stafford. I do think Georgia hasn't really proven much in the run game, um, even against against Clemson, against UAB, um, against all these teams. Georgia's kind of been trying to push the ball downfield instead of get guys like Zamir White and James Cook going in those games like they kind of did last year. Um, I don't know if that's due to the fact that we that Georgia just can't run the ball this year or if Georgia's offensive line is a little bit weaker or if that's just the game plan is to start throwing the ball 40 times a game and kind of use the run game to supplement the passing game, which is totally fine with me if Georgia's winning football games. But I'm going to say for this statement, I'm going to go kind of more towards the negative side because that's just the kind of Georgia fan I am. I'm very pessimistic on everything. I think Georgia is untested, and La- I think Lando's right. When he says that Clemson win, even though I do think Georgia came at them differently on offense than we will come at Arkansas this next weekend. And I think if Georgia played Clemson again, I think it would be a completely different game. Um, Georgia hasn't played anybody to prove that they have a good offense this year. And yes, they blew out Vanderbilt. They were up 35-0 to at the end of the first quarter. And they pulled JT Daniels before the start of the second quarter. And yeah, but it's Vanderbilt. And honestly, I think this is the worst Vanderbilt team I've ever seen. And that's saying something because Vanderbilt is bad. Always. UAB is not great either. They're a good group of five team, but you know, they're not a power five team. They're a conference USA team. And South Carolina is also terrible. So Georgia this weekend and the next couple weeks actually is going to get the test they need to show the country if they are a good team or not. And I think Georgia, to me, is for sure a top five team. I just don't know if Georgia is going to be that top four, top, maybe even top team in the country that a lot of people are thinking Georgia's looking like right now. So 
give it this week, give it the next couple weeks to see what Georgia can do against better teams, actually ranked 25 teams. And uh, we'll see, we'll see where they go from there. And our next question is from at Daniel underscore Connors 58. And his question is, do you agree that Cincinnati has a good shot to make the playoff with how weak the ACC has been? Yeah, I think they have a good shot. They have to win all the rest of their games very convincingly, though. Yeah, I've been I've been singing Cincy's praises about having a shot coming into this year. Even in the offseason, I thought that they would have a shot to get in this year. But they're going to have to win all of their games. Uh, bottom line, they've got to go undefeated. And I think that if they win at Notre Dame, that's still going to look like a very good win at the end of the year. Uh, even if... Notre Dame loses a couple of games they maybe shouldn't, and we've obviously seen Vandy struggle with with Pitt. So, or excuse me, Notre Dame struggle with Pitt. So, uh, I, I think since he's got a legitimate chance to win out, go to the playoff, and ACC doesn't look like they're going to be great. If Oklahoma has a couple a slip up or two because their offense isn't able to get going, then the Big Twelve is not going to have that you know legit contender either. And uh, then obviously you look at the Pac twelve and it's Oregon or bust. So I think they have a really legit chance chance at getting into the uh, playoff this year. The ACC is wide open. Yeah, the ACC is for sure wide open. And honestly, to me, Cincinnati when he says good shot. I think of if they go undefeated, I think they have a chance, but they need a lot of dominoes to fall besides just the ACC having Clemson or whoever wins the ACC have more than one loss. If look, they got to have chaos in the SEC, Georgia and Alabama to for the best shot for Cincinnati, Georgia and Alabama both need to have a loss going into the SEC championship or at least one of them, and then the team that's undefeated to win that game. Because if Georgia and Alabama go into the SEC championship, both undefeated, playing the way they are right now, they're both in the playoff. That's just how it's going to be this year. The Big Ten, right now, they still have three or four teams that have a pretty good chance of making the playoff. I think they're going to need some chaos from there, too. I think Oregon, I think even a one-loss Oregon makes it this year, just because of the way things are. And with that win over Ohio State at the beginning of the year, everybody's going to kind of look at them like they're a little bit higher than they might actually be. And they might even need Oklahoma to at least drop one game and continue to have these close games against teams that aren't ranked or aren't really looked upon in the in the right light. Because the Big 12 has got a couple pretty good teams, like Baylor's ranked right now. But some of their top teams, like Iowa State and uh, Texas, really aren't showing out the way that everybody kind of thought they would be. Um, so I think I don't think Cincinnati has a good shot. But I think they have a better shot than any group of five teams has ever had. And continuing on with the ACC, we have our next question at Kistler underscore 106. And his question is, the ACC is wild. What are your thoughts on how things will end up? Well, right now in the ACC, Wake Forest is undefeated uh, and, and currently leading their side of the division. Virginia Tech is 3-1, and one, uh, and they had that weekend opening win over North Carolina in the uh, coastal side. And North Carolina, quite frankly, they don't look very good. Um, they lost this week, this past weekend to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech smoked them. I mean, that wasn't, that game wasn't even close. Uh, Sam Howell hasn't looked very good. Florida State's terrible. I think Louisville's actually not that bad. Uh, Louisville has looked a lot 
like a like a decent team. Uh and and with their one loss being Ole Miss. Uh this year, for the first time in a long time, I think it really is wide open. Uh, if if I had to guess, I would say Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech actually have the best shot to come out of the coastal side. And then on the other side, I think NC State's posited themselves to be in a really good position to win their, that side of the division. And uh, I think it would be really cool to see like an NC State, Virginia Tech, or Georgia Tech uh, ACC championship, a game that we, we don't really see. And... and you know, maybe we've undersold Georgia Tech because they didn't look very good in week one, and now they've played really well, honestly, since then with Clemson being a 14-8 game. I mean, obviously Clemson hasn't played up to their standard all year, but I still think that Georgia Tech, when you think about where Georgia Tech and Clemson should be, uh, you you wouldn't even really talk about them in the same category preseason and uh even North Carolina was was a was a highly touted team coming in with a with a Heisman trophy contender preseason so uh that that's that's what I could see shaking out and and I want to know if Wake Forest is legit I mean they're 2-0 in the conference too I, I I'm not gonna undersell them either I agree with everything you just said Matt but I will tell you this I don't think the ACC gets a team in the near six this year I know in the bylaws uh for conference plans for New Year's six games. If an ACC team is not ranked at the end of the year, uh, or the ACC champion at least is not ranked at the end of the year, Notre Dame gets to take their spot. And I think this will be that year that Notre Dame takes that spot in the New Year's six game. So I would not expect any of these teams to be there. I think Clemson's the only one that you might could see make it if they just make a turnaround. But honestly, to me, I think Clemson loses at least two more games this season, maybe even three. Because they do not look like they're a team that's going to win out and go 10-2. and two. They don't look like a team that's just going to drop maybe one more game and go 9-3. and three. They just don't. They look like an 8-4 and four or a 7-5 team. So, unless DJ Uyangale can just turn the ship around and go nuts these next couple games, Notre Dame is going to be your representative from the ACC, and they're not even in the ACC. So, to me, that's pretty embarrassing for them as well. And on to our next question, speaking of Wake Forest, we have two questions coming up about Wake Forest, one from Chad S underscore 529, asking if Wake Forest is a clear frontrunner, and one from at Simon Howery, asking if Wake Forest goes undefeated and wins the ACC, can they make the playoff? These are kind of similar, so we'll kind of just talk about them all together and not have two different conversations about Wake Forest. What do y'all think? Yeah, Wake Forest is good. If they do end up winning the ACC, no, they will not make the playoff. Uh, Notre Dame would, would get that spot if Notre Dame goes goes undefeated for for the rest of the season. If Wake Forest goes undefeated and wins the ACC championship, they probably do get in. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. Just because you're talking about an undefeated ACC championship, champion, and at the end of the day, they, they won the games in front of them. And look, they're as of right now, they're but playing Louisville Forest, this though. weekend. But it's it, Wake yeah, Forest. Yeah, but I mean, it, I understand that it's Wake Forest, but like you're still talking about an undefeated Power Five champion, that and and you're going to leave them out. I mean, yes. I I understand the name brand isn't sexy, but I mean, if for example, just to throw one out there, if if somehow one year Vandy or Kentucky were to go undefeated in the SEC and win the SEC championship, you're going to leave them out? No chance. But that's two different things. Ah, nah, no, that, that's, that's two different things, though. That's two different things because the SEC is 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 leaps and bounds better than the ACC. You, you see what I'm coming at? Right. 
So, no, year after year, yeah, year after year, I agree with you. Yes, but you know, if the if the SEC were to have a down year and Kentucky or Vandy were to somehow go undefeated, I mean, you're still saying that. The, I mean, they're not they're not nearly as talented as any of these teams. Yeah, you literally just you literally just said that Cincy has a chance to make it. Exactly. So so yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, I'm saying that Wake Forest goes undefeated. I don't think they will. If Wake Forest goes undefeated and wins the ACC championship, I don't see the committee keeping them out. If 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 Wake Forest goes goes undefeated, Cincinnati goes undefeated, and Notre Dame goes undefeated. Well, Cincinnati and Notre Dame play this well, okay. week, so they can't. All right, so so yeah, I, I messed up there. I messed up there. But but if those three teams go undefeated, who are you putting in? You you're going to put in Cincinnati uh, uh, or Wake Forest, or are you going to put in Notre Dame Notre or Wake Dame. Forest? If if Notre Dame goes undefeated they're obviously going to get in over them if but cincinnati it also goes depends undefeated. on what, if cincinnati goes undefeated i i would put cincinnati in but according to y'all's logic wake forest would get in no that's your logic you you just said if my logic was that i think cincinnati has a really good shot if they go undefeated and they should get in but y'all have said no that that's not the case. If if someone in the ACC goes undefeated, then yeah, they, they would get in. And if Notre Dame goes undefeated, then they should get in. No, that's like, exactly that's what you just said. That's what you just, that's that's what you just, just said. said I'm I, I am saying that if Wake Forest goes undefeated, then they should get in. Yes, but if you're telling me that I have to pick between Wake Forest undefeated and Cincinnati undefeated, and right. I don't think that Wake Forest is going undefeated, I personally would put Cincinnati in, but. I think the committee would put in a Power Five ACC champion over Cincinnati. I don't think it. I I, I don't I don't think the the Power Five conference champion thing thing matters in 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 that case because Cincinnati is is a better football team than, than Wake Forest. I don't I don't think that would matter. They would, st- but then they would still they're still beating Clemson. Ah. They're still beating you. Okay, Wake Forest or Clemson? You see those names come up. Who do you think is going to win that game? Wake Forest. I I actually think Wake Forest. This year, year, Wake Forest. This year, Wake Forest. But it doesn't doesn't matter because Clemson's going to have four or five losses. Right. NC State. I think that they're they're a decent team this year. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I I mean, they they. I don't think that they're like a top ten team. But if if you're telling me that you think the ACC is so bad that an undefeated team isn't going to get in, which I don't think they're going to get in, but I don't think or like I don't think they're going to go undefeated, so that won't even be a conversation. Listen, I don't even know. I don't even know that Wake Forest would beat Army this year. Listen, let's let's put it this way, Matt. Okay, the question is: If Wake Forest goes undefeated and wins the ACC, can they make the playoff? The answer is yes. Yes, they, they can. But listen, I'm also I'm with both of y'all. To Lando's point, if Wake Forest goes undefeated against the ACC, with how down the ACC is, they are going to be like the bottom of the barrel picks yeah. for the playoff. Now they're going to be considered. And hear me out here. They're going to be considered, but look at how things stand right now. Penn State goes undefeated, has one loss, wins the Big Ten. Georgia and Alabama are both undefeated, go into the SEC championship. Close game, Alabama wins. Oklahoma continues to win out, goes undefeated for the year. That's four teams right there. You're not going to put Wake Forest in over any of those four teams. And now, obviously, if if chaos ensues and you get one team in the SEC, one team out of the Big Ten, Say Oklahoma ends up losing two or three games. Oregon goes undefeated, and then you got Cincinnati and Notre Dame both losing a game. I think Wake Forest gets thrown in there for sure. Okay, but 
But but you're you're going in a scenario where there's like multiple undefeated teams, which I don't think we're going to see that this year. And if Georgia and Alabama go both to the SEC championship and it's a close game, and we're saying that for sure both in, all right, I'll I'll give you those two spots already sealed away. If Penn State goes undefeated, then yeah, that's going to happen. What about Oregon? If Oregon goes undefeated, then they're in. So you're saying, all right, well then there's a four, there's a, a one loss Georgia, with their one loss being to Alabama. Right. They're going to get in. Yeah. So there's your four spots. It doesn't matter what Oklahoma does, even if they went out. Right. And so, so I guess my whole point is that if if you're asking me, is if Wake Forest goes undefeated. Based off of what I see happening in the landscape of college football this year, are they going to get in? I think that they would get in over a one-loss Oklahoma in the Big 12 because the Big 12's not very good. Better than ACC. It is better than the ACC. It's better it, than the ACC. Th- but they still lost a game. You still got to win the games in front of you. If Wake Forest wins every single game and then wins the ACC championship. Cool. That would actually be, and you're gonna be put a in, you're going to put him in over a one-loss Oklahoma. I'm just I'm just telling you that if, if if I'm the committee, based on what they've done in the past, how are you going to say that you're going to keep that's, out? That's going to come down. ACC champ- that's going to come down to how good Oklahoma's playing too. If Oklahoma looks like how they've looked the past two weeks, and Wake Forest is blowing out every team in the ACC, I could actually see that. That's happening. fair, but but if Oklahoma has one but, loss and 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 they look and they look really good, good, then yeah. then they're not. If, it, if, if, if Oklahoma's playing good, no matter what, I think they're going to end up then, then, then as long as they Wake Forest and undefeated, undefeated Wake Forest ain't getting in over Oklahoma. It's not happening because because it, it would be the same case for if if Alabama hadn't you know had one loss or or if, or if, you know somebody else had one loss that was in one of these really good conferences or is naturally a good football team, unlike Wake Forest. Then they would, you know, that that scenario wouldn't happen. Given, I don't think Wake Forest is going to go undefeated. I think we're going to have me, a me th- two or three loss champion this year in the ACC. That was a good argument, though. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah, thank, thanks for the questions, guys. Those are good questions for sure. And I do think Wake Forest right now is the is the front runner. I wouldn't say clear. I don't think anything's clear in the ACC. Uh, to answer Chad's question, um, but anyway, let, let's move on from Wake Forest. I'm sick of talking about him. Let's go on to our next question. We got one from at jmed2855. His question is, is Fresno State going to a legit bowl game this year? I'm going to say that's like a New Year's Six game or one of the higher bowl games. What do y'all think? Sure, they look pretty good. Never say never. Like if if Fresno State goes out and, and starts blowing teams out and looks really good, sure, yeah, it can happen. I'm going to go ahead and say no. They're not going to a New Year's Six game. or like I, I think they might go to a, a decent bowl game, but they're not going <laughs> to a New Year's Six. Uh, in order to go to a New Year's Six, they would have had to uh, – I mean, they competed with Oregon, yeah, but they probably would have had to win that game to even be considered. And the UCLA win is – probably going to continue to not look as great. I mean, it's still a good win over a power five team, but I, I, I don't see Fresno state going to a legit, like new year six game. Matt, you didn't say a single thing about their win over Cal Polytech. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, big win over Cal Polytech in a, and an eight point win over UNLV. Uh, <laughs> so much for me trying to be optimistic. As good as those teams are, you got Cincinnati in the group of five. So, yeah, I think Fresno State's really good. I think they're the best group of five team that's not Cincinnati, or at least that's not in the American Conference. I think they're good enough to play in a New Year's Six, but I think with Cincinnati there, and I think with the way that, ah, it just drives me nuts too, the way that the committee overrates 
Coastal Carolina to me as well. I, I, unless Coastal Carolina loses a game, which I could absolutely see them doing. Um, I don't think Fresno State will even get close. I think they'll play in a good bowl game. I think they'll probably go eleven and one or ten and two. Uh, no, they're not playing a New Year's Six game. Mm-hmm. Not this year. Look, you, wait, wait, you brought something up, but before we move on, I, I just got to say, can we get rid of preseason rankings? Yes, like completely, because. Honestly, if you they should wait until teams start playing because if you're telling me through like you know three weeks of four weeks of college football that that Oklahoma is is the sixth best team in the country, I don't think that you've been watching how every team is playing, and I think that that's where Fresno State catches the the short end of the stick because Coastal Carolina is a preseason top twenty five when I don't think they've played like a preseason top twenty five, but they're going to continue to get the benefit of the doubt until they lose, and and it's stupid. I, I hate it, and I think it's stupid too, but it does bring on good talking points, and that's the only reason they still do it. And it's nice to see that number next to a team's name when you're watching them play. It makes the games look bigger. It's more of a media thing, but it is very annoying for... If I was a you know like a Fresno State or like a UCLA fan, I'd be very annoyed by it going into this year. Uh, but on to our next question. This one is from our good buddy and favorite Rutgers fan at Mr. Tank Handsome. And his question is, Rutgers over Ohio State? I think they have a legitimate shot. What do y'all think? I mean, I think that's wishful thinking. You know, Ohio State struggled with Tulsa, but Tulsa is is, is usually a pretty good football team. So uh, if if Rutgers, I don't know. No, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I was going to try and try and be optimistic for you, but I, I can't. I would say that they have a chance. I mean, they, they play pretty good defense. It just, Rutgers is going to have to do something a little more offensively. And I wish that the Rutgers Ohio State game wasn't this weekend, so I could see Michigan play against somebody else to see you know kind of what I think about Michigan actually because I mean Michigan's schedule so far was Temple, uh, excuse me, that's Rutgers schedule. Uh, Michigan played Western Michigan, and then they played oh god, I don't even remember their whole schedule, but I remember Western Michigan, and then Rutgers was their third game. Overall, Michigan hasn't played anybody. So I don't really know what to expect from Michigan either. I'm going to give Rutgers a chance, though. I mean, anytime that you go in and you play anybody, you got a chance. It's Is it a big one? No, but it's a chance. And it's a home game. You never know. Ohio State might come in sleeping on uh, sleeping on Rutgers. They see the name on the jersey, and they, they might, not, they might uh, overlook it. Who knows? Honestly, I think the way that Ohio State is playing defense, I think everybody has a chance against them this year. Um, especially in the Big Ten, I would not pick them. I think I think it's like a ten point, ten and a half point spread. I would pick. I will pick Rutgers to cover that spread. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think Ohio State is by far the better team. I don't really trust C.J. Stroud, who I believe is going to be the starter for the game. Um, and I don't trust their defense. Like I said, I mean, they're, I think they've been playing pretty weak. Um, they're very young. They have a couple injuries. They're still haven't hit their stride, but. I'll give them a shot. I'll give Rutgers a shot in this game. They get them at home, so why not? And on to our last question. A good chance for us to talk about the Arkansas-Texas A&M game this weekend. This one's from at Andrew T underscore Smith. His question is, how about my hogs? What y'all think about Arkansas this weekend? Andrew, I love you, buddy. We're going to have to see this weekend. We're going to have to see against the dogs. If I'm being honest, Arkansas did kind of what I thought they would do because I – do not think A&M is very good this year. Uh, 
going back to that whole preseason rankings rant I kind of went on a minute ago, I think A&M came in based off of what they did in a weird year with COVID and for whatever reason they were run with. I, I want to see what Arkansas does this weekend because I feel like Arkansas is that team right now where they've been getting all the respect in the, in the national media. I mean, they're ranked eighth in the country. They're a top 10 team, but the win over Texas is Texas as good as we they were made out to be preseason. And then the win over A&M, A&M hasn't looked great all year. So unfairly to Arkansas, uh they have their their schedule hasn't been able to show that they've played anyone with strength. A&M's got a lot of problems. Offensive line looks not very good. Their defense looks good. Um but not to kill all your hopes and dreams about Arkansas. I feel like that Arkansas is a matchup nightmare for some teams where other other teams like I feel like Georgia uh match up really well against what Arkansas does across the board. So, um pumping the brakes a little bit on the Arkansas hype just because I want to see him play Georgia this weekend before I buy in. This is how I feel about Arkansas. Texas A&M has a very good defense. I think Texas A&M might have they're either the second or third best defense in the SEC. Uh, behind Georgia, for sure. Arkansas, to me, if K.J. Jefferson doesn't get hurt in that game, I think they win that game by over four touchdowns. Their offense was rolling before he hurt his ankle. When he was able to run the ball, and before they had to put in that backup quarterback, they they looked really good. I mean, they looked explosive. They looked like they were strong in the run game. They looked physical. And to me, I think they have the best player and the entire ACC, or sorry, and the entire SEC, and that's Traylon Burks, a wide receiver. He had six receptions, 167 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he was one of the top receivers from last year, not named Devontae Smith in the SEC, and he has been absolutely killing it. They don't have much of a passing game, but KJ Jefferson's got a big arm, and he makes mostly pretty good decisions. And when Traylon Burks is open downfield, you can throw that ball anywhere, and he's going to get to it. That's what scares me as a Georgia fan going into this game this weekend. But I think Arkansas is one of the most well-coached teams in the country. I think what's going to hurt them is besides a couple of the surprise pieces they have on defense like Bumper Pool and same thing on offense, they don't have a ton of like real legit talent. Like They do have good players. They have good quality SEC players. Sam Pittman's recruited well, and he's turned the guys that – were there before he got there into really good players uh, like Trey Williams. But to me, I got to see Arkansas do it against a team that is not stagnant on offense like Texas A&M was. They did not play well. Honestly, I think Texas A&M actually has a pretty decent offense. I just don't think they call plays to their strength. They didn't run the ball much. Uh, They threw the ball twice as much as they ran the ball with a quarterback who, in my opinion, is just not that good. I know I was kind of high on him last week after watching him in the game before, but this week you guys did show that you guys were right. He did, had no idea what he was doing. Uh, made a couple good passes. Didn't really get a chance to throw the ball down the field, which I found kind of surprising as well. Um, but they look pretty good in the run game and Arkansas stuffed them up. So I think they're a good team. I think they're at least a top 15 team this year, Arkansas. I don't know about top five or 10 though yet. 
right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our pour one out, cut them off segment. Lando, who are you pouring one out for? This week, I am cutting off Jalen Hurts because his play on Monday hurt my eyes. It was absolutely horrible. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's basically what I expected Jalen Hurts to, to be for the Eagles this year. You know, a lot of people were kind of high on Jalen Hurts, thinking he would be a lot better in the passing game. But I, I knew what Jalen Hurts was about when he was at Oklahoma and Alabama. So uh, I, I know his passing game isn't that great. And honestly, I'm really hoping that the Eagles don't win a whole lot of games this year. So that way they can draft a quarterback next year. So uh, cutting off Jalen Hurts and I'm pouring one out for Talladega on Sunday because I'm going to be there live and in person and I'm going to drink lots of beers and it's going to be a great race. So uh, heck yeah, go Kevin Harvick, Matt. So this week I am pouring one out for the U.S. Ryder Cup team uh, who absolutely stuck it to Europe. Uh, it's it, the after the heartbreak from the last Ryder Cup, uh, the U.S. had some big shoes to fill. They needed a, a good win, and this was the largest margin of victory since 1975. The U.S. just ripped them apart. Uh, I watched a good bit of it on Friday. I didn't watch much on Saturday, and then I watched a good bit of it on Sunday. Absolutely awesome to see, and uh, it was just good good to see uh, Bryson and Bryson and Brooksy uh, got along, and Justin Thomas had on the Step Brothers shirt with uh, their faces on on it, and the, for the celebration, it was awesome. Uh, DJ was was uh planning on having a lot of fun and and it was really cool to see all that so uh good job usa Ryder cup team uh that was a lot of fun to see and then this week i am cutting off whiny dabo sweeney um part of my issue with dabo it has always been like when when even when clemson's winning it's poor little old Clemson. They just never nobody nobody really cares about poor little old Clemson, and he's always got something to complain about and whine about, and it, it's it's really annoying. And then you you see him on the sideline, and he's like constantly going over to the refs and whining and complaining about something. He's not just in their ear like chewing them like. You know, complaining about every now and then. I mean, it's constant. And when you have been at the top of the mountain, like Dabo Sweeney has, where you've won two national championships, you've been to the playoff multiple times, you're one of the top dogs in college football, you can't, you can't whine because you're getting beat and your team looks terrible. So not a great winner, terrible loser, Cutting off Dabo Sweeney this week. Wit. So this week, I am pouring one out for my favorite month of the year. It's my birthday month. We got CFB rounding out. We got MLB playoffs. We got NASCAR playoffs. It is October, and I love October. I'm a big Halloween guy. I think it's one of the most underrated holidays of the entire year. Um, we got three top 12 matchups in college football. We got four top 25 matchups. In the next two weeks, um, we got Georgia, Arkansas. We got Ole Miss, Alabama this week, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. We got UGA, Auburn. We got Arkansas, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, Texas, Penn State, Iowa, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech all next weekend. And it just does not slow down for the rest of the month. There's going to be a lot of sitting on the couch watching football. And uh, I can not be more excited about it. 
And I'm going to be cutting off the AP poll. We talked about it earlier. Not really loving the preseason poll. It's good for media talk, but it's not great for teams that are playing above their expectations for the year. Um, and obviously this this year it's been terrible. This week we got Penn State moving up two spots after not looking great. Um, and their best, their best win of the year almost lost to Georgia State, and they probably should have lost to Georgia State. Um, and we got more after that. It's all kinds of stuff. Clemson's still in the top 25. It's just insane. It makes no sense to me. I honestly think the people that vote for this poll don't even actually watch college football anymore. I think they are just kind of voting for whoever they feel like, and it's it's honestly just driving me mad. So, AP poll, I'm cutting you off, man. Keys, who you pouring one out for? So, my poor one out and cut him off kind of go hand in hand this week. And we kind of talked about this earlier at the beginning of the show. But I'm pouring one out for Georgia Southern, I guess, ex-head football coach Chad Lunsford. And unfortunately, Georgia Southern decided to part ways with him, like we said. But I'm not going to talk about that. Regardless of record, Chad's an incredible man and a great leader. And in more areas than just on the field. Uh, one of the greatest human beings we've ever had the pleasure of talking to. And I think I speak for all these guys. And I really hope he's able to land a good position somewhere else in college football. And he's able to be successful there. We wish nothing but the best for Coach Lunsford. And I'm cutting off Gavin Adcock, which is kind of on the other end of this story for me. Uh, you guys may have seen a video floating around social media of a Georgia Southern football player standing on top of a moving bus, catching a beer, and chugging it on the way to the football game against Louisiana. It wasn't even after. It was on the way. Uh, now, I get it. You're excited. and You're just trying to get hyped up and stuff. But you're already doing pretty bad as a team that year and you pull a stunt like this and then you lose a game. And then that loss is partially because you jump off sides on fourth down. So he's, he's suspended. And from what, I, from what I've heard, that video servicing is, is part of the reason why coach Lunsford was um, let go a little bit early in the season uh, as opposed to finishing out the season. So I'm cutting off the whole situation. Yeah. The whole thing's been, been pretty tough. And us Georgia Southern fans, there's a lot going on there. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move on to our games of the week, starting with our broken down alma mater, Georgia Southern. We got Arc State coming into town, and uh, we're actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Lando, who are you picking? Uh, Georgia Southern has a lot to play for this weekend, so I'm going to go with Georgia Southern. Yeah, I'm actually going with Georgia Southern this week, too. Um, I, I think that because Georgia Southern has uh, hit some adversity here, uh, Coach Whitley – is taking over the program. Coach Whitley actually played for Irk Russell at Georgia Southern. He's Georgia Southern bred through and through. Um, I, I think that he's going to come in and the culture is going to stay very much the same where, you know, everybody's going to play for each other. Um, on the Arkansas State, though, side, I want to give a shout-out to former Georgia Southern football player Andy Kwan, who is the tight ends coach for Arkansas State. So it'll be good to see him. Uh, I, I think Georgia Southern is going to come out with inspired, and, and they're going to win. Yeah, guys, uh, I'm going to pick Arkansas State. Georgia Southern, um, to me, just hasn't looked like they've had it this year. And then throw in the fact that we lost Chad Lunsford, um, and I think the players – Really loved them. I think they're going to be hurt by the loss, and I don't think they're going to really be motivated to continue uh, trying to do well this season. I think we'll be all right. I mean, I don't think we're going to go Owen or you know one in twelve or one in eleven or anything. But um, I'm not really looking forward to us this season. I'm going to pick Arkansas State. 
Anyway, going on to our next game, we got a Friday trap game. Number five, Iowa as a three and a half point favorite at Maryland, who is four and oh. Lando, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Iowa by a safety and three field goals, Matt. This game being in Maryland, uh, I, I actually think Maryland has a pretty good team and they've got some offensive weapons. It will be really interesting to see Iowa's defense go up against a team that actually has a, a pretty good offense. Um, I like Iowa this year a lot. I think their defense is great, but their offense is lacking. This game being on a Friday night screams trap game. I'm going to pick Maryland to win this game by a field goal. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close game, but I think Maryland is going to pull out a big win, which is going to set them up well in the Big Ten. Wit. I was very tempted to pick Maryland in this game, and against the spread, I honestly would probably pick Maryland. Um, but I'm going to take Iowa. I think Iowa's defense is just too good, and as good as Tali has been against the Big Ten this year, he hasn't really faced a solid defense yet. So throw in that factor, and the fact that Talia had some issues throwing interceptions last year, and as easily as it is for Iowa to cost turnovers i think that's gonna be the difference in this game i think we're gonna see a couple defensive touchdowns uh talia is gonna struggle a little bit more than he has this season um and iowa is gonna squeak by with a four point win that's probably what i'm gonna pick right there moving on to our next big 10 game we have michigan at wisconsin uh wisconsin is a one point favorite lando who you got i'm gonna go with michigan matt I found it interesting that that Wisconsin was favored by one. I guess that's just the the old uh, home field advantage that they're giving them a point. Look, Michigan every year kind of has come into this the season with with these lofty expectations, and they've kind of fell flat on their face. This year, Michigan has been set up to have their fans feel the same way that they have in recent years. Uh, they've won every game up to this point. Last week again against Rutgers wasn't very pretty, and when you say that out loud, it sounds really bad, but I think Rutgers has actually got a decent team. Greg Schiano does a really good job there. Um, so, on the other hand, Wisconsin, they came in with, with, uh, with a pretty high ranking. Uh, I think they were like, to start off the year, they were high, and obviously, you know, I hate preseason stuff. But they have just not looked good. Graham Mertz has been terrible. Their defense is good. I think this is going to be a defensive battle, but it's going to come down to the fact that Graham Mertz is going to turn the ball over and not value the that, that ball enough. And I think Michigan wins this game uh, pretty handily. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. Long story short, bleh. long story short, Wisconsin's offense is garbage. Graham Mertz is garbage. I don't think Michigan is actually that good, but I do think they are way better than Wisconsin. Uh, so I'm I'm going to take Michigan and easily take Michigan. I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game. <clears throat> then moving on to our next game, so our Big 12 game of the week, we have number six, Oklahoma, as a 10.5-point favorite at Kansas State. Lando, who you got? Boomer Sooner, Matt. Yeah, th- this, this game is not going to sneak up on Oklahoma like it has the past two years. Uh, Kansas State, offensively, they haven't looked very good, and and, and – Oddly enough, I think that 
Oklahoma's defense is their strength, and I think that that's going to be the difference this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Spencer Rattler struggles early, that maybe we see some Caleb Williams sightings. Uh, I, I think Oklahoma wins this game. I don't think they cover the spread. I think K-State does keep it close with them uh, simply because I think their defense is pretty decent and uh, – you know, Oklahoma has had some struggles on offense. So uh, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win this one by five. So I had Kansas State to win this game up until earlier today when I was scrolling through, kind of looking through some news and found out Skylar Thompson is not playing for Kansas State. And Skylar Thompson, to me, he's their starting quarterback. He's not the best quarterback in the Big 12, but he is pretty good. He's a good runner. He's a good leader for the offense. And he's been the one to beat Oklahoma the past two years. So I think Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma's offense is going to struggle against Kansas State's defense, uh, which is going to help Kansas State cover that spread. But I do think Oklahoma is still going to win the game. They've been squeaking by against these teams that they should be killing every single week and finding a way to win, and I think they do it again this week. I'm taking Oklahoma, but I think they only win by 10. I think that hook is going to give Kansas State the cover. And moving on to our next game, this is one of our three games of the week we have number seven Cincinnati as a three and a half point favorite heading into number nine Notre Dame Lando who you got yeah this will be a really good game I got Cincinnati they'll cover Matt yeah I really like Cincinnati this year I think the momentum that Luke Fickle has in that program is is electric uh, last year, they hung with a really good Georgia team in the Peach Bowl. I know Georgia was down a couple of guys, but I still think that that carries some weight even moving into this year. I think Cincinnati is going to go into Notre Dame, and I think they're going to come out victorious. Uh, give me Cincy. So call it a bold take if you want, but I think this game right here is a college football playing game this season. But the way things have been, in every other conference, I think there's going to be so much chaos. The fact that these two teams have an easy schedule for the rest of the year tells me that they're not going to have enough time to where they could slip up like some of these other teams, like the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Oregons, the Oklahomas, the Ohio State's got one loss. Clemson's already out. All these teams have teams they have to play against for the next couple of weeks to the ends of the season and conference championship games where they are going to have chances to drop an extra game. Whereas Cincinnati and Notre Dame, if they win this game, this is, this is it. I mean, this is their biggest game for the rest of the year. So I'm going to take Cincinnati mostly because I don't think Notre Dame has looked that good. And I think Cincinnati is going to be that team that finally gets over the hump against Notre Dame and takes them out. Uh, but I think it's going to be really close. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins by four and covers that spread, but this is going to be a really, really, really good game. I think this might even be the best game of the whole week. So I'm going Cincy. See, if I'm Notre Dame, I'm not even overlooking next week at, at Virginia Tech in Blacks, Blacksburg at night. That's that's a, that's a got trap game kind of written on it too. I wouldn't really say trap game, but especially if they do come out victorious this week, I would not overlook Virginia Tech. I think that that could be a game that could trip them up. No, I mean, Notre Dame's got a couple trap games like Virginia Tech and like North Carolina. But, I mean, to me, the way the ACC has looked, I don't think those teams are that good anyway. Like, I mean, 
North Carolina got destroyed by Georgia Tech last weekend. And Virginia Tech beat North Carolina week one. But since then, they really haven't looked that good. So I think Notre Dame should cruise through the rest of that schedule. But anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to our next game. We have number eight, Arkansas, heading into Athens to take on the number two, Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia is an 18-point favorite. Lando, who you got? Noon game, Arkansas shocks them. Matt. Georgia in a blowout. I don't think this game is going to be close at all. Arkansas, especially if K.J. Jefferson doesn't play, Arkansas is not going to be able to do anything offensively whatsoever. Uh, Georgia is going to suffocate them. I think the only hope that Arkansas has of uh, of, of covering this game is if it's 34-10 and they score a fourth-quarter touchdown to make it 34-17. That would be how they cover. But I'm taking Georgia in a blowout. I don't think this game is going to be close. Uh I just don't think that Arkansas has the offensive firepower to hang with it, and Georgia's defense is elite. I think that Georgia's going to prove a lot uh, offensively this week. You've seen Georgia not be able to get the run game started. Uh, I think that if if Arkansas plays a drop eight to take the passing game away from JT Daniels, you're going to see Georgia be able to run the ball effectively in that zone coverage. And uh, I've got Georgia big. Huh. Well, we, we're going to hit all three points here because I got Georgia, but I got Arkansas covering. Um, if this game was in Fayetteville with college game day coming in town, I would honestly take Arkansas to win the game, even as a Georgia fan. I think K.J. Jefferson's a beast. Um, if he's healthy, he's going to be really hard for Georgia to stop, even with the defense that they do have, um, just with his ability to stretch the field and his ability to run the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be an old-fashioned slugfest for sure. This will be the best team, in my opinion. I think this will be the best team Georgia plays for the rest of the year. And, yeah, that includes Florida. But I think Georgia wins by, I'm going to say, 14 or 15. I don't think they get to that 18. Mark, I think it's close for the first three quarters. And then I think Georgia starts to spread the ball out and hit some of those explosive plays with JT Daniels. And uh, Arkansas just with their lack of depth, start to slow down a little bit. And Georgia's got some really strong depth, especially on defense. Um, so I think that's what's going to help Georgia win that ball game. So I'm going with the dogs. For the next game, we have Lane Kiffin, Lane Train, rolling into Tuscaloosa. We got number 12, Ole Miss, at number one, Alabama. Alabama is a two-touchdown favorite in this game. Lando, who you got? Matt Corral will be too much. And Bryce Young won't won't be able to keep up. I got Ole Miss. See, this game, and I, I told y'all, this game scares me. I talked about it after the Florida game. I, I don't think that I like that Ole Miss had a bye week last week to prepare, get rested up, and Lane Kiffin to continue watching Alabama film. Because I watched last year's game again the other night, and Lane Kiffin knew exactly what Alabama was doing defensively every single play. He either had their hand signals or something because every single play was called perfectly to what Alabama was doing on defense. This year, Ole Miss's offense is even better. Matt Corral is even better. I I don't know if Ole Miss's defense has improved enough to stop Alabama multiple times. And that's where I feel a little more confident as an Alabama fan that, that this game will go in favor of the Tide. 
I could see this game going one of two ways. I could see Alabama winning in a in a shootout. I could also see Ole Miss winning in a shootout. Bryce Young hasn't had to play in a slugfest game. He had to play in a game where Alabama was up and then it was hold on for dear life. This is going to say a lot about what Alabama's team is this year, and this is also going to say a lot about what Ole Miss's team this year is. I think Alabama wins this game in like a three to four point, maybe touchdown type of game, uh, but I do not feel comfortable even with that pick. I just think that Alabama's defense is going to be able to get a stop before Ole Miss is going to be able to get a stop. And and I don't even feel confident saying that out loud. I mean, this is going to be a really, really a shootout game. The over's eighty, and I would or the over under set at eighty, and I would still take the over on this game. I, I really would. Uh, you saw what Florida's offense did to Alabama later in the game, and Matt Corral is much more dynamic of a passer, and they've got a much di- more dynamic, quick, fast paced offense. Bama's defense is going to be gas late in that game. I, I, I close one. But I'm going. I can't. I can't pick against the tide here. Y'all might be surprised by this pick right here, but I'm taking Alabama big. Like I think it's blowout big, and the reason I say that is because number one, Ole Miss, their defense looks better, but the teams they've been playing are not that good. And yeah, Louisville after week one has looked a lot better, but. I think every team isn't as good as they look week one. And Louisville had their worst offense week one against Ole Miss's defense. And yeah, Ole Miss could have a good defense. And I'm not saying they don't have a good defense. I'm just saying they're not really proven. And I don't think the place to prove it is against what's probably the best offense in the SEC. So I think Alabama outscores them I don't I think Alabama's going to get more stops than Ole Miss is going to get I think Ole Miss is going to put up a lot of points uh so this is for sure my take the over game of the week if, if you're a betting man take the over please um I think Alabama wins this game 52 to 28 I think that is the final score I think they're actually going to be up more than that but they'll slow down on defense kind of towards the end of the game uh maybe get a little bit tired Alabama in the, in the back end and Matt Corral is going to make a couple plays to put up some points and make the stats look a little bit better. Um, but I don't think Ole Miss is there as much as other people do. I think their offense is awesome, but they they sh- still just aren't there talent-wise. Defensively, they're a lot better than they were last year. A lot better. They were historically bad last year. Yeah, but against who, Matt? Who, they, who have they played this year? I understand that you're saying that Louisville Week 1 doesn't really count, but you can see just watching film, their defense is a lot better. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our locks of the week. Lando, who's your lock this week? My lock of the week this week will be Baylor over Oklahoma State. Some Baylor fans snuck onto the Boone Pickens field this week and put a bear on the, the 50, and I think that's going to play lots a of bear. mind games. They put, they put a little stuffed animal bear on the oh, 50. Uh, I, was thinking, <laughs> I thought you meant a live bear. bear. A live I was bear. Like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, they put a stuffed animal bear on the 50. I think that's going to actually help them win the game. So, I've got Baylor. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'm going back to my old ways. Fresno State's going to Hawaii. Somehow they're only a 10-point favorite. So I would hop on that line. I'd be all over that line. 
I love Hawaii football, but they are not good this year. Fresno State is good this year. I know last week they might have looked a little sluggish. They were also coming off of a very good win against a UCLA team that was ranked in the top 20. And, I mean, emotions always play into it. And they were playing on a Friday night. So, on the road, going to Hawaii, I know some people are going to be like, oh, the time difference. Nah, man, Fresno State, it's going to be a beat down. Take that 10-point line and, and uh, make your money. Wit. I'm right there with you, man. Make your money this weekend, and one way to make your money this weekend is taking Boston College plus 16 versus Clemson. I don't know how Clemson's a 16-point favorite against anybody after the way they've looked these first couple weeks. Uh, you need to hammer Boston College. And I will say, too, this is not my lock of the week, but I think everybody needs to watch out for this Kentucky-Florida game. Kentucky gets them at home. Kentucky has the SEC receiving yards leader in Wandell Moore. And Florida is second to last in the league in stopping the pass, second to Mississippi State. Will Levis is a better quarterback than Kentucky has had in the past. Um, He's done a really good job in the passing game for Kentucky this year. Um, I don't know if I would pick Kentucky to win the game, but I do think they are going to cover the eight-point spread they have, especially playing at home. Um, So, yeah, hammer Kentucky as well with that plus eight. Keys, who's your lock? So my lock of the week is easily the worst game in college football this week. It is Vanderbilt versus UConn. Uh, CBS Sports has them ranked Vanderbilt at 122 and Connecticut at 130. So this actually is statistically the worst matchup. I'm going to go with Vanderbilt, though. I think they can at least beat UConn. Uh, They can't beat Georgia, but they can beat UConn. Uh, Fun fact as well, that game, the tickets for that game are actually $1. If you buy them online, the fees are $5. The fees are more expensive than the actual tickets to get into the game. (laughs) Wow. If I was going to be here this weekend, I thought about buying a ticket just to walk in and then leave. <laughs> Quite frankly, that might be the worst matchup ever con- like concocted in the history of college football. I mean, that's terrible. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and give us a follow on our Instagram page, at Around the Keg, and our Twitter, at Around the Keg Pod. Say us any questions or topics you guys want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.